You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, the matchup we've been waiting for is back. The Toronto Raptors versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. For a third year in a row, the Toronto Raptors will face extinction against LeBron James and the Cavs. But this year, it feels a little bit different. There's a little bit more hope in the air. The Raptors looking good and LeBron James obviously looking great by the Cavs. Not so much. LeBron's supporting cast has not been strong. They beat Indiana in seven games and many of them very close. Indiana had a chance to win that. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors winning in six against the Washington Wizards. They've had a few days break and Tuesday night, the Raptors play the Cleveland Cavaliers And here to look at what exactly is going to transpire, what are some of the things to look for, is Eric Smith of Sportsnet for the second time coming on Canada's Court. Eric, thanks for joining us. No problem. First of all, before we get into the Cavs, was there uh, any point during that Wizards series that you were worried about the Raptors? Um... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some concern. I, you know, I, I think that, as cliche as it sounds, you know, there is something to be said for the Wizards doing what they were supposed to do by, you know, protecting their home floor. Uh, but that said, when you win back-to-back games and you're going to Toronto with momentum, um, that put pressure on the Raptors in that in that game five back at Air Canada Center. Uh, I, I, I was on uh, on the fan in Toronto uh, with McCowan. Excuse me. Just uh, just prior to Game Five tipping off, and he asked me for a prediction, and I did say, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm certainly not the only one. I'm sure. I did say that I thought the Raptors would win Game Five. Uh, I felt that you know, 34 and seven, and as well as they played at home this year, that they weren't going to lose three in a row for the first time this year. They weren't going to lose home court. So I saw them winning that Game Five, and I liked their chances. That even worst case scenario, if it went to seven. That's what you. That's what you played for, and, and, I'll, and I will say, Phil, that just as a quick aside, because this could play out this 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 angle or this mentality in this this round as well. You know, I don't understand the the mentality of those that have continued to sort of preach or to say that, well, you're the one versus the eight. You're the number one seed. You're not supposed to struggle. You're supposed to steamroll teams. Man, this is the playoffs. Part of what you play for in the regular season is to get home court advantage. And it's not just that home court advantage in potentially the conference finals or the finals. It's home court advantage if you should need it. Uh, I don't think it's embarrassing or I don't think it's a, it's a negative or a knock if you go to six or seven games against Washington or if you go to six or seven games against Cleveland. I mean, hypothetically, what if you're in round two against Boston or Philadelphia or if Indiana pulled the upset? Is it suddenly bad now if you don't win in four or five games? I mean, we're talking about balanced teams. We're talking about a team that at the beginning of the year, probably you, me, and almost everybody listening right now did not feel had the talent or the depth to be the number one seed. But yet they went out and played well. What well, does that suddenly change that they're a relatively inexperienced team, that they lean on a rookie and OG and an OB in their starting lineup, that they lean on a lot of second-year guys in their reserve squad? You know, all of these critics over the years that have said, Oh, can LeBron, or excuse me, can DeMar take you? Can Kyle take you to the promised land? You know, is Ibaka uh, the same player that he once was? Does Valanciunas struggle defensively? All of those questions that people have had for the entire year, suddenly now in the first round, 
are out the door because, oh, but you were the number one seed. How terrible it is if you can't beat Washington in a sweep or in a five-game series. How awful it would be if you still, again, lose to LeBron James, and it, so it, it just wipes out the regular season. I, I think people just kind of get caught at times in their own narrative, both pro or con, and they just sort of they just sort of float with whatever direction the wind is blowing in terms of how optimistic or pessimistic or realistic they want to be on any given day. And I just simply say, it's the playoffs. And again, pardon the cliche, anybody can beat anybody on any given night in any series. Did, did you think that Utah was going to upset Oklahoma City in the first round? You know, did you, did you think that the New Orleans Pelicans were going to win as easily as they did over the Portland Trailblazers? Anything could happen. And I think Toronto ultimately proved that, yes, they were a better team, but they could quite as easily beat the Cavs in four or five games as they could get swept by the Cavs in this round as well. You know, all bets are off, I think, when you're not playing one of the best players in the history of the league. And and to be fair, Washington uh, was a pretty talented eight seed. I mean, as you said, it's playoffs. Anything can happen. And they've got a – they had a pretty talented squad, even though they had some of their own infighting and uh, injuries throughout the season. Yep. Now, um, turn into that Cavs series. Quickly, oh, sorry. Yeah, go I'll ahead. Just quickly, I'll quickly say on that point as well that some people, when you say that, because I'll, I'll admit, I, I said almost the same thing that you just did in, in response to some people, you know, talking about the, the Wizards. And the response to that from some uh, field was, well, no, but home. Okay, yeah, yeah, they struggled down the stretch of the regular season. How much of that was, as you talked about the infighting, how much of that was the injuries, how much of that was complacency how much of that was there some people that buy into the theory that maybe maybe they were back in their way and hoping to try and line up for the raptors who knows it could be none of the above it could be all the above but i do know that come playoff time whether you're the first seed the eighth seed the sixth seed you're in the playoffs and you're going in with the mentality that we have a chance to maybe get to or win a championship and when you've got an all-star backcourt and wall and beal when you've got depth at the wing position that could potentially nullify the opposition's best player in DeMar DeRozan, and I'm talking about Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter, when you've got balance in the front court that might nullify their big man, their traditional big man in balance units with Mahimi, with Gortat, you start looking and go man for man, position for position, Washington matched up well against Toronto. So record aside, man for man, that's a pretty decent matchup. I would argue, as we now look ahead to the Cleveland series, I would argue that, you know, Cleveland and Toronto, the Cavaliers possess some problems for the Raptors, not just with LeBron James, but because of Cleveland's ability to play smaller. And maybe that takes Valanciunas out of things a little bit. So if you're the Raptors, do you play more proactive uh, or reactive? Do you say, no, forget it. We have a big, we're going to force you, Cleveland, to match up against Valanciunas, to figure out ways to stop us as opposed to us trying to figure out what you're doing, maybe playing smaller. Whereas had Toronto played Indiana, as good as Miles Turner is, granted he's a little bit more athletic than Valanciunas, he still is a big traditionally in terms of his size that I think JV could have had a better matchup against. And, you know, so you look, again, team for team. If Toronto was playing right now against Philadelphia in round two, you would have an issue. How do we stop Ben Simmons at 6'9", 6'10", at the point, with our six-foot point guard, okay, well, we'll slide over OG Ananobi, and he'll guard the, the, the point guard. All right, that means now that Kyle Lowry is going to have to play out of position somewhere and still guard somebody that's a little bit bigger. 
but traditionally we might have a better matchup in the middle against Joel Embiid, even though Embiid clearly has more in his arsenal overall than what Valanciunas does. It's, again, team for team, man for man, position for position, and how do you match up? I think once the playoffs come around, you're not looking at regular season records. You're looking for the individual matchups, and that's where you ultimately win or lose the series with the chess match that is played amongst the players and certainly amongst the coaches that are there kind of trying to press the right buttons. And you, you talked about it for a minute there, but how do you think the Raptors match up against the Cavs? Uh, I think the greatest challenge, well, there's two. Uh, to state the obvious, LeBron James. <laughs> and if you're Toronto, you're probably leaning heavily on a rookie and a second-year player in OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam to do the bulk of the work and hopefully do the bulk of the damage. Now, the one trump card that I suppose Ananobi and Siakam could have is name me one player, literally one player in the history of LeBron James' career that has shut him down, slowed him down. I'm not sure that that player exists. I think the one time that we saw LeBron James really kind of struggle to sort of figure things out on a consistent basis in a series, I'm talking in the playoffs, was back when the Mavericks won the championship and Dallas threw the zone at LeBron fairly consistently, jumping in and out of the zone, playing it for longer stretches and trying to force LeBron, LeBron excuse me, into being more of a jump shooter and not allowing too much, uh, him to attack and, and sort of taking away some of his pass lanes. And, of course, who was the lead uh, assistant coach on that team? Dwayne Casey. Is that something that the Raptors tried to do in the series? Maybe. Have they tried it at times in the regular season or in the past two playoffs when they've lost to LeBron James? Yeah. Have they been successful? Well, they were swept last year, and they lost in six games the year before that. So, uh, that's obviously the number one is trying to slow him down. And, and can you, you know, again, rely on a rookie and a second-year guy to do that and to be successful doing that? Uh, and then, of course, the other matchup that I did touch on a little bit is that middle. Are you going to start Tristan Thompson if you're Cleveland? If you do, I have faith that even giving up the size that Jonas Valanciunas can keep up with a Tristan Thompson. But if you play Kevin Love in the middle and start him as the center, I'm not as convinced that, uh, on a consistent basis for long stretches, Valanciunas can get out there and guard on the perimeter. So now, are you going with Valanciunas in shorter stretches? Are you potentially even changing your starting lineup? Are you trying to shift your uh, personnel a little bit and trying to get Yak or, uh, or or Siakam on the floor a little bit more for longer stretches? Does JV suddenly play less? That's, again, that chess match that goes on. Because let's also remember, Bill, two years ago, granted, yes, you had Bismack Biombo, but how much of a factor was Valanciunas in that series when he was able to come back after being lost in the Miami series and then trying to have an impact against the Cavs? So there's so much going back and forth uh, that I would say, you know, those are the two spots to watch. Because you know, I'll take I'll take Lowry on George Hill, and and I'll take you know I'll take my chances with whomever might pick up. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan, whoever's going to try and guard uh, Serge Ibaka. I'll take my chances with that. But can you slow down LeBron James? And where is Kevin Love playing, and how much does that neutralize uh, or not Jonas Valanciunas? Now, another question is, can LeBron do this all on his own? I mean, in that Indiana series, no one else on his team scored more than 20 points, and uh, he had he had amazing yep. games, but against the Raptors, do you think it, it can just be the LeBron show and get them the series win? Well, I'll tell you what, there's a major part of me that doesn't believe LeBron James when he comes out in the post-game press conference uh, yesterday uh, on Sunday saying, uh, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I just want to go home and rest, I don't even want to think about Toronto, I'm, I'm beaten up, etc. 
I'm not sure if I believe that. I think part of it might have been posturing. But if we do take him for his word, it could be fairly easy to understand and appreciate how tired he might be for all those reasons you just mentioned. He did do damn near everything for the Cavaliers in that series and certainly, certainly carried the offensive load every night. Um, I think that we would have to expect that Kevin Love at some point starts to figure it out. I don't think he's going to shoot under 40% for the series against the Raptors like he did uh, against Indiana. I don't think he's going to average under, what, 15, 16 points. I think you, you can expect that he's going to start kind of getting things uh, on the right path. But after that, Tristan Thompson has had his issues this year, not traditionally a big score anyway. You obviously don't have a Kyrie Irving anymore, as you have in previous years gone by. I'm not sure that J.R. Smith is the same type of player that he once was. Kyle Korver is still a, a, a rifleman, no doubt, and a marksman, but he's not going to go out there and give you 18, 20, 25-plus in any given game, I don't think. Um, so then after that, what are you looking at? Well, you're relying on some guys that don't have a ton of or have no playoff, uh, playoff experience excuse me, that are really getting their first taste of going deeper into the playoffs, uh, trying to understand what it takes to play alongside LeBron James, trying to understand what it takes to be that secondary or, or that third piece alongside James that needs to hit some of those big shots and those pressure shots. So can you get it from Jordan Clarkson, from Larry Nance, from Rodney Hood, from George Hill? When I start looking at that, I think, all right, you know what? you got to prove it first. got to prove it. LeBron James is fantastic. Kevin Love's fantastic. But these other guys, these complimentary pieces, it's not the same as what you know Cleveland once had. Uh, and from that standpoint, I think if you're Toronto, you're saying we might have the best opportunity we've ever had to knock off the Cavaliers. I'm not saying it'll happen. Maybe Toronto gets swept. But I think that this team, with their experience, four straight years in the playoffs, a third straight now, uh, year now, excuse me, facing LeBron, with the uh, potency and the strength of their starting unit, uh, combined with the strength and the diversity, the versatility, the speed, the energy of Toronto's second unit, I think this might be the most balanced they've been and puts them in the best position to maybe uh, finally, you know, get over the hump against James. Now, you've obviously been around this team for those uh, past three series, is the, is the or the past two series. Is the feeling around the team any different this year? Uh, ask me that again, like, once the series has started, but going into the series, I'm not sensing it. And, and I, I don't know that I, I sensed any of it last year either, to be fair. But I'm not sensing any kind of fear or, or um, you know, being wowed by the, by the, by the highlights or by the, the spotlight of having to face LeBron James again. I think it's more, again, the confidence of saying, hey, 59 wins in the regular season, 34 on a home floor. We've got home court advantage in this series. Uh, they're not the same team that they once were, but LeBron James is still the player that he once was. So we'll take our chances trying to figure out LeBron. And we're going in with confidence that, you know, we can, we can beat this team, uh, we can hang with this team, we can put ourselves in position. You know, as much as the Raptors during the regular season, Philip went one and two against the Cavs, uh, let's not forget the victory they had. They absolutely demolished Cleveland without Kyle Lowry, without Serge Ibaka, and one of those losses in Cleveland, as bad as the second half was blowing this lead, they built up a lead in the first half that saw them score 79 points in Cleveland on the road against this Cavaliers team. They averaged over 120 points, over 122, I believe, in those three games uh, and, and, and also shot just under 50%. They proved that they can hang with the Cavs. They proved that they can score against the Cavs. It will come down to can they stop Cleveland? Can they find ways to stop, slow down, nullify James 
in the playoffs because obviously, again, different beasts come playoff time, as James certainly proved in that first round uh, with the way that he scored against uh, the Pacers. All right, and I've already taken up more of your time than uh, I said I would, but one last one here. Any uh, any prediction? Um, you know what? I, listen, I, I won't I won't change because because uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, I, I said this, and I'll say the same thing right now. I felt that Toronto was going to beat Washington. I still feel like Toronto has as good of a chance as any other team of making it to the conference finals. And if you make it to the conference finals, you got a shot to make it to the NBA finals. However, I would have much rather seen Toronto on the other side of the bracket, not dealing with LeBron James. So for all the stuff I just talked about having the best chance, and I think they do, for all the stuff I just talked about having home court, which they do, and I think that matters, until I see LeBron James on the golf course, or at home with his feet up, you know, watching on TV, I can't bet against LeBron James. I, you know, so if I'm betting with your money, I'll say Raptors. If I'm betting with my money, I'm never betting against Michael Jordan. I'm never betting against Kobe Bryant. I'm never betting against LeBron James. I'm never betting against the greats of the game. So selfishly, personally, I would love to be in the conference finals again, calling games and working games. I'd love to have a chance to call games in the NBA finals. For Raptor fans out there, I would love for you to be able to see your team in the conference finals or the NBA finals. So I hope it happens, but I won't bet against one of the all-time greats. I'll let somebody else bet against them. So until, like I say, until I see him at home mowing his lawn or kicking his feet up on the coffee table, I can't say that LeBron James is losing a series. To me, he's got to go in as the favorite still at this point in his career in any series he plays. Well, you mentioned two of those top number 23s. I still think it's kind of hard to bet against our 23, but we'll, uh, we'll see. <laughs> also, is he, I guess I'll just throw this in at the end. Is he? Uh, what was the status of him after game six? Feeling okay? Or? Uh, he said that he's very sore, but I would imagine if he played in game six and is just basically dealing with managing pain right now, uh, I think there'd be I, – I, I'd be absolutely shocked if he weren't playing in game one. Uh, I mean, listen, if he gets hit hard, could it be an issue? Yeah, possibly, but uh, I can't imagine that there's any way that Fred Van Vliet's not playing in game one. And and, and I know you're saying it tongue-in-cheek about Toronto's number 23, <laughs> but, but clearly, clearly, he had an impact in game six, not only individually, but the way that he impacted the guys that play alongside him, and specifically one guy in uh, Pascal Siakam, I thought was a major, major difference and was a completely different player in game six than what we saw for major chunks of that series against the Wizards overall in the first five games. So hopefully that's a trend that continues, uh, you know, game one against the Cavs and, and, and certainly throughout the series against Cleveland. Well, it should be a fun one, Eric. I really appreciate appreciate you taking us the time to give us your insight. No problem. Take care. That was Eric Smith of Sportsnet. And as we've said, the Toronto Raptors playing game one against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Toronto. They've got that home court advantage Tuesday night. We'll see what happens there. And if you'd like to reach out to the podcast, let me know about your thoughts on the podcast or uh, the upcoming series. Love to hear from you. You can send me an email, Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Court. Love to hear from you there. And uh, let me know what you think. You can also leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts. That is always super appreciated. 
just uh, click uh, review and rate, and we uh, really appreciate it when you do that. I should also mention the winner of the March Madness uh, Bracket Challenge through Canada's Court. I know it's been a while since uh, we have had a podcast, so I better mention this now and hold true to my word. Rob Brown. Rob Brown gaining the March Madness victory, picking Villanova to win it all. Ended up being a pretty good decision. And uh, so congratulations to Rob Brown. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening.